Hello and welcome to episode 43 of the Epic Classroom Podcast. My name is Trevor Muir and I like to talk about teaching. Whether it's stories or ideas from my own classrooms or lessons I've learned from other educators, I just love to explore ways to help students grow and thrive in school, but also for their educators to thrive as well. And so that's what this podcast is. Whatever you teach or however you serve in schools, how can you lead a more impactful, dynamic, dynamic, meaningful, and epic classroom. Well, hello and happy holidays, everyone. Uh, I am recording this on December 29th, 2023. And uh, so we are right in between Christmas and New Year's Day. uh, And I plan to put this out today. So you're probably listening to this right before the new year or right after. And uh, I just, I wanted to share a few ideas and thoughts uh, as we start to move into a new year, which can feel like a new season and it's fresh and new and exciting. And then some of that freshness and newness wears off a little bit and it doesn't take very long for that to happen and so I thought maybe we'd inject some ideas and new thoughts while we're still feeling fresh in it Um, but uh, I gotta tell you I I was saying to my wife the other day as we are making our way through Christmas break that that line um, in the song it's beginning to look a lot like Christmas and uh, there's that famous line that says mom and dad can hardly wait for school to start again that all of a sudden makes so much more sense when you have your own kids <laughs> and they're home for a couple weeks with nonstop attention and there's gifts and candy and chocolate and, and, and lots and lots of quality time. All of that is so, so good. But as we are on the second half of uh, the holiday break, man, they are ready to go back to school. And so I just wanted to send my grace and love to their teachers. I mean, they are some wonderful kids, but we are ready for a little bit of space uh, as we are on uh, well on our way of week two of, of Christmas break. Um, it's been a really good break, though. It's been so special, but it's also kind of exhausting. It's like, all right, I want to get back to work. Um, and, 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 and when my kids, they want to go back to work and school and all of that uh, so that when we get together again at about four o'clock every day, uh, we've missed each other and we're ready for some more time. Right now, I'm not missing my kids a whole lot. So uh, anyway, just wanted to kind of put that out there. That song has some universal universal truth to it. And if you're a parent, you probably resonate with that song as well. Um, I hope you all have had such a wonderful, hopefully a restful break from your work. Whatever you do, I hope that you've taken some time to just rest and recuperate and uh, just get some new energy so we can start the new year uh, fresh and ready to go. I was thinking about what do I want to talk about in this New Year's episode of, of the podcast? Like what's, what's a relevant message right now? What's on my own heart? Um, and so I went in my Google Drive and I typed in the word New Year. Like, oh, what have I said or written about New Year in the past um, that might, you know, generate some ideas or thoughts right now? Um, and I found out this old journal entry or something I wrote way back in like 2011 when I was just starting teaching. Um, and and I, wrote, I don't know what exactly I even wrote it for, uh, but it was kind of like my wishes for my second year of teaching, which is really, really funny. Or no, it was my, my wishes for my second semester of teaching ever. So 
I just got done with my first semester of teaching and I was moving on uh, to the second semester. It was probably right around this time that I wrote it. And I wrote on there that I really hope that I get scored or I get marked highly effective by my principal after my first year as a teacher. So like that was like one of my big hopes and wishes and dreams was to sit down with my principal at my end of year evaluation after my very first year in the classroom and that she would sit down. I had my first principal. She was brilliant. She still is. I, she's just not my principal anymore. She was awesome for me in my first year. Her name is Kim, and, and she was magnificent. And I, and I wanted nothing more than to sit down with Kim and for her to score me as highly effective. I wanted her to tell me, like, you were an unbelievable first-year teacher. You did amazing projects with your students. You built relationships. Their test scores were good. You have great rapport with the other staff. You moved in. You adapted to our team. I mark you highly effective at the end of your very first year as a teacher. And so, like, that was, like, actually what I wanted as I thought about what do I want this new year. It, and I just, oh, going back to read that, it's like, oh, I remember that kid. I remember that young guy starting out as a teacher thinking that's what matters is, is that you are recognized as an excellent teacher. That's, that's what really helps you stand out. And if I'm being honest with you, those were like sincere thoughts of mine. Those were sincere wishes that I had in my first year as an educator was being the best. I wanted students to love me the most. I wanted my classroom to be the most um, loved by every kid in the school I wanted to be known as that and of course this is tied to my ego this of course this was tied uh, to you know to my my young pride that mid-20s exuberance that I had of course it was all tied to that I wanted that and I really wanted to be recognized for it and so like that was my wish when I typed in new year I found this post that I wrote in Google Drive I think it was something that I blogged about and I was just writing down ideas uh, I think I, I don't think I ever actually posted it to the world um, thank God. But that's what I wanted, to be highly effective. And then I will never forget, I got to May, and I taught my entire first year in the classroom. I was teaching this global studies class, so I was teaching high school English and world history. It was a cross-curricular course, um, and I felt like I just nailed it. Of course, there were some serious road bumps along the way, but man, I loved my first year of teaching. I really did. It was hard, and it beat me down a lot, but it was also so good. It was like, oh, this is affirming why I got into this. I got to know kids. I got to teach them a few things. I got to do some really cool designing of curriculum and projects. I felt like, yeah, I am well on my way. And I remember I sat down with Kim and she shared all the things she liked about my first year and all the things she thought I did really well. And the whole time I'm like, all right, here it comes. She's about to mark me highly effective. And then after she did that, she said, but I also want to share some things that I think you can improve on. I want to share some ways that I think you could grow as an educator. And so she started listing some of those. And it wasn't just one thing. She, she listed a few things. And I'm like, okay, yep, um, I hear you. But you had more good things to share, so lay it on me. Say, say those magical words. Report to the district in my permanent file that I'm highly effective. And she looked at me. I didn't say that, but that's what I was wanting her to say. And but then she looked at me, and she said, all right, Trevor, um, because there are some things that I still really want to see you working on, um, I am going to mark you as effective this year, but know that you did a lot of things highly effective and you're just gonna keep growing. 
And I remember she said this to me in my like, I, I bet it was, I bet it was visual. I bet she could physically see my shoulders droop down when she said this. Cause I remember feeling every word when she said I was effective. And I remember just kind of nodding my head and leading, leaving her office. And I was just like downtrodden. I was like so sad because this was what I wanted in my first year to be known as highly effective. I wanted to be known as the best teacher. I wanted it all to affirm how good I was. And for somebody who I trusted and respected to say like, no, there's still room for growth. Tell me that, that no, you're not going to be marked on the highest marking yet. Uh, and and, 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 and it's just like, it was like sad. And I remember whining about it to other teachers and feeling, feeling, uh, what's the word? I scorned, like, oh, they don't know me, all this stuff. I was just so upset about it. And let me tell you, all of my, my friends that are listening to this podcast, here we are quite a while later, a decade and a half later. Oh my gosh, how silly that was. <laughs> like how, I, I mean, listen, I, that's what was important to me at the time. And so I got to validate that, but I can also look back at this, um, as we approach 2024 and think that is just not what matters. Even Kim years later would have told me like, like, Oh, like those were the scores I had to give. And I'm only allowed to give a couple highly effectives to any teacher in the school. And you better believe I'm not giving it to a first year teacher. Who's got a lot to learn. Like I, I, I'm only allowed by the district, which that is a whole nother podcast. She's only allowed to label people highly effective. Only a couple of people. If she gives too many, it looks like she's going too easy and blah, blah, blah. You all know that story. So, I mean, there's a whole brokenness in teacher evaluations and maybe we could dive into that some other time. Maybe we can uh, bring Kim on to talk about it. But, um, but I, what's funny is like I, that's what I, th I thought mattered most about being a teacher was being recognized as being a great teacher. And that might not be your story, right? Like maybe you didn't have such an ego that I did. You know, I, uh, I also turned the age of 37 two days ago. So I just had a birthday two days after Christmas um, and I turned 37. And, you know, I just I, I've got a really amazing group of friends and community. And we like to sit around and talk about where are we growing? Where are we learning? Where have we been? Where are we headed? Where are we at right now in the present? And one of my conversations as we've been talking about getting older and, and our kids are getting older and, and with age, if you allow it, comes a little bit more wisdom. And I have to believe uh, in, in 15 more years, I'm going to be <laughs> much more wise than I am now. Uh, but I've just noticed as, as I get older, some of that ego stuff just doesn't matter as much as it used to. I used to think it mattered about being called highly effective. You know, I used to get all wrapped up in how many followers I have on Facebook and in Instagram and how many people are watching my videos and liking my posts and sharing my stuff and subscribing to my email and, and, and listening to my podcast. And, and I just, the older I get, the more I realize, ah, oh, some of that stuff it just doesn't actually matter like it used to. And, and when you don't have this worrying about labels, when you're not worried about people calling you highly effective and instead figuring out what actually makes you highly effective and how can I lean into that more and be better and better at my work, um, the more joy you have, right? The less you're worried about things and the more you can actually just experience the joy of doing it. Um, and that's why like one of my reflections this year as I turn, you know, that landmark age of 37, 
It's actually not that much of a landmark age, except that, boy, it feels older for some reason. Um, there, I don't know. There's just this joy in getting older because it feels like, oh, I'm, I'm starting to strip away some of these things that didn't matter as much, and I'm able to lean into the things that actually do. And so when I think back to that first year and not getting that big coveted label of highly effective, I feel kind of silly about it. But I also look at and I'm like, all right, well, what was highly effective about my first year. And, and you know what, Kim, some of those things she said were spot on. I really felt like, man, there's a lot I can learn and grow in, but I built relationships with students. Like those were something I was highly effective in. But you know, connecting with their parents and making those connections and keeping them updated and helping them understand about what we're doing in the classroom and how I'm helping their students grow. Yeah, I wasn't highly effective in those areas. Those were things I could grow in. Um, staying organized. And, and making sure that you know my, I wasn't losing my students' work and staying on top of grading and making sure that we were hitting those benchmarks that we were trying to hit. Like, yeah, those were areas I had to grow in. Um, and it wasn't until a few years later that I re started learning some of these lessons that it's like, you know what? Yeah, there is always room for growth. And maybe even using labels like highly effective actually aren't. Uh, helpful because it kind of gives this idea that yeah you've got it figured out because um, the truth is I had a lot to figure out and I still do um, and I've just found over and over as an educator uh, you know between being a teacher professor speaker writer dad husband uh, all of these areas of life there is just room for growth and so instead of my goals being this end goal like all right I'm gonna work hard enough to like get highly effective I'm gonna work hard enough to where I can be the keynote at this conference. I'm gonna work hard enough to where I sell this many books. I'm gonna work hard enough to where I get this many students to pass the AP exam, this many students to be uh, highly proficient in this reading skill, whatever. Instead of having these concrete goals I'm aiming for, instead it's become, and this is just me, but if this is helpful for you, take it. It's instead, how can I feel like I'm continuing to grow? Because I've found the more I can identify areas of growth in my life, the more joy it feels like. You know, it's, these might be silly examples, but in the last year of my life, in the year of 36, um, I've really wanted to try to lean into more hobbies that help make me more present right where I'm at in that moment. And so the last year, I've taken up fly fishing. I've taken up sourdough baking. I've really enjoyed that. And I've taken up working out at the gym. These are three things I hadn't done before that I want to do because they are so intensely present activities. I don't know if you've ever fly fished before, but it takes a lot of impresent moment focus. Like you are trying to figure out how do I take this weightless line and throw it across the river and float it in such a special way that a trout's going to see it and grab it and, and, and you're going to actually try to catch it. And let me tell you, it is really difficult. It's not easy to catch trout with a fly rod, and it has been difficult. It is so frustrating. In the same way, I've been learning how to bake sourdough bread. Just something to do this winter as it's just cold and dreary outside. Something to do inside that's fun and joyful and has some type of payoff. And I'm telling you, I'm on like my 12th loaf right now, and I have yet to do it right. I cannot get the stupid thing to rise. Matter of fact, if you are a sourdough baker out there, let's say that's what you do for fun, I would love an email or something with some advice on how to get that stupid thing to not be sticky when I take it out of the proofing basket and put it in my Dutch oven, because right now, I don't know how to do it. Um, 
it like it makes you be present or working out you know I, I I've stayed super active my whole life but I've never actually had a routine where I go to the gym and lift weights and run and do crunches and all these things that are really painful in the moment but have a payoff um, in your own health and your well-being and your physical looks and feeling and all this I've, I've never actually had a committed discipline to this and so I've started doing it since September I go several times a week to the YMCA with a good friend of mine and we work out and uh, it's so hard and it takes so long for there to be progress or at least to feel like there's progress and there's not really an end goal right like I'm not gonna enter a competition it's about just growing and getting better at it and developing this routine all three of these hobbies have been much more about growth than they are an end goal. I'll never be an absolute master at fly fishing. Um, maybe I'll bake the perfect loaf of bread, but boy, that doesn't seem to be happening anytime soon. And working out, that's just a journey I'm on. That's about living a healthy life. All of these things are about growth and, and incremental progress rather than just getting a label at the end of it. You know, in the past, I've, I, I once ran a, a 25K. It's the Riverbank Run here in Grand Rapids so it's it's running 15 and a half miles and and I went I told myself all right I'm gonna run this in May and so starting in January I started this running routine and I ran and I ran and I ran and I would go in the evenings and on the weekends I would run these really big long runs up to 10 miles to practice um, and it was this whole thing and I got in great shape and then I ran the race and I felt really good about it and then I and I and then the next day I was like all right well you just ran 15 and a half miles it's time to take a break so let your body rest a little and then day two, I was still a little sore. I was like, all right, well, you got to rest again. So I took that whole week off from running and I never picked it back up. There was something about having that end goal, that, 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 that label saying, oh, I completed this. I did this, that that's what my goal was. And so therefore, once I achieved it, I, I, I stopped the practice, the discipline that I had developed. Um, and so like with these new hobbies of mine, and again, these are just maybe metaphors for bigger ideas. Well, I'll dive into that in just a second. But these hobbies, it's less about like, hey, become the master at it and instead get better at it. And in the process, enjoy the moment of doing it. Enjoy rolling that dough and kneading it and trying to get it where you want it. Enjoy standing in a river, trying to get better at casting. Enjoy the, the dopamine and the euphoria of working out and being with a friend and getting stronger and, and, and being in this moment. Enjoy that. And also, enjoy the, 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 the progress that happens along the way. And so when I think about all of the things that we can do as educators, it's like, yeah, of course we want to be highly effective. Of course we do. But it's like, yeah, you know what? And you, maybe we earn it. Yeah, after a couple years of teaching, I got that label and it didn't pay off nearly the way I thought it would, by the way, because um, it's kind of subjective, isn't it? Uh, yeah, go, go for it. Set, set concrete goals. That's great. Manifest that. But also, think about, all right, well, how can I just keep growing in the work that I do? You know, if your primary goal is to help your students find success in school so that they can also experience more success in life, what are some things you can get better at to help them do that? And enjoy those present moments as you are progressing and growing along the way. What actually makes you highly effective? You know, there's, there's certain phrases that we use in education, like SEL, you know, social emotional learning, or whole child or relationship base all of these are about the same thing you know when it, it's interesting when I uh, was a kid um, 
SEL, whole child relationship-based teaching, all of these things. We used to just call it good teaching. <laughs> you know, this concept of, yeah, connect with your students, build connections, form relationships, and as a result, students will connect with the content, what you're teaching in their classrooms. And of course, we like to name things, and that's sometimes really helpful. But really, like, yeah, you know, connecting with students, that's not a new idea. That's been something as old as teaching itself, getting to know your students so that they want to get to know what you're trying to teach them. Yeah, that's, that's highly effective teaching when you do that well. So how can you do that even more? You know, I went, uh, I chaperoned my son's Christmas party. He's in fourth grade. I went and chaperoned his Christmas party uh, last week or two weeks ago. I don't know. What day is it? It's Christmas break. I, I, I don't even know what day it is right now. But whenever that was, I went and chaperoned his party and it was really fun and I got to see, you know, the kids having all this fun and afterwards I wanted to just go pop in to my daughter's classroom. She's in second grade and just say hi to her because it was that last week of school and I assumed her teacher would be okay with that. Don't always make those assumptions, by the way, parents. But I did it. I know her teacher's brilliant. And so I went uh, to her classroom just to peek in, and uh, all of the kids were up on their feet, and they all had sanitizing wipes, and they were, like, silent. I mean, you could hear a pin drop, and they're walking around the classroom, sanitizing the classroom, and the teacher's standing there watching them do this. And I just stood there and watched them for a little bit. And then the teacher saw me in the hallway, and she said, oh, then she called my daughter and said, your daddy's out there. And she came out and hugged me. And I was like, oh, what are you guys doing? in there and she's like oh we're, we're cleaning our teacher's classroom <laughs> and, and I just I don't there was something so fun about it to me that that they were doing this highly disciplined routine it, it, to get the classroom clean and sanitized and I know why the teacher's doing this because man classrooms in December are a breeding ground for infections and bacteria and viruses and she's having them do this and and I, I asked my daughter later on I was like do you guys do this all the time she's like oh yes Sometimes she has us do this, and it's a routine of ours, and, and, and we listen to soft music and do it. And I was just like, I love that. You know, my little girl loves routines. I think that's part of being in second grade. You want routines, and this teacher has this healthy routine where she's teaching them how to clean up after themselves and how to keep things clean and how to do it in an orderly way and be quiet and, and all of these good lessons. But it's also this routine. It's something my daughter craves that she even needs development mentally it meets her needs uh and, and and it's I don't know I'm making I don't know if this is an abstract connection or not but this meets my daughter's needs it connects with her in a way that when that teacher says all right we're going to have another routine of we're going to sit quietly and we're going to read or we're going to practice our spelling or we're going to learn cursive or we're going to do these things that are meaningful and help you develop academically as well she's able to shift into those this teacher is a master it's not just about cleaning the classroom it's partly that it's partly the practical need of cleanliness but it's also about meeting those connect making those connections with students so that they connect in other ways and to me that's also what you know the Christmas party in my son's fourth grade class was about we are we are making connections and having fun and joy so that we can also make connections in other ways in this classroom They're, it's all connected and so if you want to be more highly effective lean into making those connections meet our students needs in those ways you know I remember so vividly 
after my first uh, end of year teacher evaluation, you know, a way I could become more highly effective is to connect more with parents. And so like that was a new discipline I developed. How can I call home to parents more and let them know what's going on and share good news about what's happening and also share about ways that they could maybe partner with me to help their own kids. And by making those connections more, my students would connect more in the classroom. And so as I developed those disciplines, when I started making time every single day to connect with at least one of my students parents I saw this connections I, I saw the the result of that in the classroom I saw students connecting more with what we were teaching and what we were doing um, it was all about helping them grow and and it was about me growing as well you know because there's something fun that happens even if you're not working out at the gym to prepare for a triathlon you know along the way you start noticing like oh i'm feeling a little bit healthier or you look in the mirror and you're like oh i'm looking a little bit healthier right like it, maybe it's not about like this end goal but you start seeing like hey you're growing, right? Or in the same way when you go fly fishing. Gosh, I, I, it took me like 10 times going out before I ever caught my first fish. But then when I caught my first fish, it was that much better. You felt like, oh, this is going somewhere. I'm actually growing. And I think what I'm getting at here, and kind of a little bit of a ramble here uh, in this uh, New Year's podcast, is there is joy in growth. There is joy in getting better. There is joy... And then after about a day, nobody cares anymore. You're like, oh, I went into that much debt just for that one, like, affirmational moment. Like, that way, nobody actually cares that much. And it's kind of the same way, like, ah, that, that highly effective that I coveted, that I, that I wrote down in Google Drive in 2011 thinking this is what I want in the new year. Oh, it didn't actually matter that much that's not what matters what does matter is that we're part of this journey this trajectory we're part of an epic we're part of a story and good stories are about growth and you can only get growth it only comes when you meet challenges and and you accept that they are part of life and you overcome them and as a result you get stronger and better and that's what i hope for you in this new year whether you s you set new year's resolutions or you just make commitments um, I hope they are rooted in uh, the joy of growth and, and becoming better and stronger at whatever you do, whether that's forming connections with students, whether that's learning to articulate better what you're teaching, whether that's connecting with parents, whether that's becoming more organized, whether that's learning how to bake sourdough or catch trout or, or get a little bit healthier, whatever that is, I hope uh, you find the joy in growth because um, I tell you there is a lot of joy to be found in growing. Um, and at the age of 37, I feel like I'm just starting to to learn that lesson um, and I'm really really excited to see what this year holds so educator friends thanks for listening to this podcast I hope you will share it with any educator friends you have that you feel like might need to hear some of this goodness um, that I'm learning that uh, 
that that I that I just get so much joy in sharing. Uh, it's so good to get to do this. I am here at the public library in the podcast room, talking to you wherever you're at. Um, I hope you have a really blessed, wonderful start to your school year. My name is Trevor Muir, and this is the Epic Classroom Podcast. Talk to you next time.